What is going on, guys? This is Brendan Burns, and welcome to The Brendan Burns Show. Join me as I interview, dissect, and share the stories of high performers who have created the life that they deserve on their terms. I sit down with speakers, professional athletes, and successful entrepreneurs from all over the world who have chosen to live a life of fulfillment and joy over status and money. In each episode, I share actionable strategies that you can implement in your life, plus inspiration along the way. So come join me for this episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Joining us today is one of my absolute favorite world travelers and entrepreneurs, Scott Keyes. For those of you who aren't familiar with his Cheap Flights email list, he's the founder of Scott's Cheap Flights, the best newsletter on the planet for finding incredible deals and mistake fares. Scott's list has now gone viral, and he has thousands of free and premium subscribers to his list, which is already a million-dollar business. But most importantly, he inspires people to travel the world and shows them how to do it without breaking the bank. Scott, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So why don't we just kick it off with a little bit of background, like who, who is Scott Keyes, where are you from, and how would you get to where you are today? Yeah, uh, so I grew up in Ohio, been, gosh, traveling all over, you know, lived in, like, went to school in California, lived down in D.C., down in Mexico, kind uh, of all over the world. Now I'm out in Colorado, which uh, is my home where Scott's Cheap Flights and everything uh, uh, is run out of. But, uh, you know, it's only when I'm not on the road, like doing work from God knows where around the world. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, I, I getting into cheap flights and to travel in general was, um, I think, as with most people, kind of a slow burn. I, you know, I didn't just wake up one day. It's like, oh, man, I want to see the world. It was just that over time, you know, I, I like I traveled a little bit with my parents growing up, took more of an interest in like you know, each time I went abroad, I was like, oh man, that was really fun. I want to do that again. And so, especially when I got out of college, um, I realized like, man, there's a big world out there. Like I want to go see a lot of places. Uh, uh, but then I also took a look at my bank account and saw that they were about $10 in there. I was like, <laughs> oh shit, like what am I going to do here? Yeah. And so like, that's kind of, you know, they say necessity breeds and is the mother of invention having no money and wanting to travel the world is sort of where that genesis of trying to figure out, you know, how to, how to find cheap flights, how to travel, uh, without breaking the bank, that sort of stuff really sort of came from, because I didn't have much money and, you know, and I, I was, but I still wanted to go see all these places, figure out how can I make this work? You know, how can I, without having to either blow all my savings or give up the dream? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that, that totally makes sense. Now, were, was there like a defining trip that you had or, you know, a crazy country you were in and you just sort of looked around and you were like, wow, this <laughs> is what turned me on to travel and got me excited about this? Uh, oh, man, that's a good question. Um, not, uh, not for travel per se, but yes, for frequent flyer miles. Um, and, and I'll give you the background story here. So I... Uh, approach most things with a heavy dose of skepticism. Um, I, you know, I, I, uh, and this is especially true of frequent flyer miles for years, you know, Scott 
circa 2009 and before thought frequent flyer miles any sort of loyalty points basically was a scam because you know if it benefited us if it benefited the consumers then the airlines wouldn't do it so therefore you know if it doesn't benefit us then it must benefit the airlines therefore like what what the hell's the point you know i'm not going to play their game so i didn't do frequent flyer miles or anything like that for a while even you know even though it was free. I could have gotten like points for trips. I was taking for free. The point is back. In, okay. So then fast forward to 2010, uh, I was traveling. I moved, just moved to DC. I was working as a journalist and I was traveling somewhat. And so, you know, finally, all right, all right, I'll put in my frequent flyer number. I'll rack up a few American airlines miles. Uh, and I got up to about 30,000 American airlines miles. Um, this is true back in late 2010. I was talking to my friend who was doing a Fulbright scholarship down in the Galapagos Islands. And she was like, oh, man, it's amazing down here. Like, you got to come visit. You got to go see. And I was like, wow, you know, that sounds amazing. I pull up kayak. I look at the uh, at the airfare between D.C. and the Galapagos Islands, $1,600. I can't afford that. That's $1,600 I don't have. Then I remembered, shit, I have these frequent flyer miles. So I was like, okay, let me go see, let me go on, you know, AA.com, see if I can figure out, is, are there like an award flight or something I can get? Lo and behold, yes, there was. I found, you know, this flight going from DC all the way down to Galapagos and back for about 30,000 miles round trip, you know, booked it. Even, even when I like, got to the airport, got to the point, I was still thinking like, God, there's gotta be a catch here. Like they're gonna, you know, <laughs> ask me, ask me for another hundred dollars yeah. when they get on the plane or something like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, but there wasn't like, I, I went to the Galapagos. I had this great trip. It was definitely one of those places that's like, I most tempted to rip up the return ticket, all of that. And then when I got back to DC and I realized like, wow, I just took this $1,600 trip essentially for free. You know, and that there wasn't it wasn't a catch. There wasn't a scam. I was like, all right, you know, let me. This is amazing. Let me see how I can do this more. Let me see how I can scale this up. That's what sort of uh, uh, spurred my desire for cheap flights and, and frequent flyer miles. Figure out how I can like do this on a on a more long term basis. That that's a great story, and uh, it's it's great for me and hopefully our listeners to hear sort of the evolution of points and how they now benefit us. Now, like when. I want to ask you about your strategy, and obviously I know there's a secret sauce and an algorithm that we're not going to ask you to divulge because we want listeners to go sign up for your list. But um, I'm just curious, like, because people ask me, you know, about different things that I've built skills in. Um, You know, I do some self-improvement writing for Adventure Days, and I also like to travel a lot. And, you know, I'm I'm definitely not at your level, but I do sort of play around with Google Flights. And um, anyway, like, I'd be curious, like, how your strategy has evolved, and especially, like, as technology and different platforms have come and gone. Mm. So, uh, um, the one thing that I would actually quibble with just slightly is that I have an algorithm in Secret Sauce. I, I've, like, I guess a couple sorts of little tips and tricks that I use, but to be honest, the vast majority of, I think, my quote-unquote competitive advantage, the thing that Scott Street Flight's the reason why people sign up for it is because 
unlike me, most people don't enjoy spending six, eight, 10, 12 hours a day on kayak or orbits <laughs> or Priceline or wherever. Yeah. And I kind of do like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't like, there's not like proprietary flight search engines that I'm using that other people don't have access to. Mm-hmm. But the reason why I think Scott's Cheap Flights has been successful and why people have been getting a lot of like ton of cheap flights from it is because the best deals often only last like six, 12 hours or so. Like they're not, and and, you know, and they're certainly not like advertised on united.com or anything like that. And so it's, Finding out about those fares quickly and early, you know, before they disappear is, is the key. And mm-hmm. so having someone, you know, who's just sitting there monitoring this stuff and searching for these flights all day and then letting you know when they pop up is the way that you get these, these cheap deals. I mean, uh, you know, the best deal that I ever got was uh, New York City to Milan for nonstop for 130 bucks round trip. Oh wow! And it was you know it's an amazing deal. Like it was one of these places I didn't even know I wanted to go to, but for that price, of course I'm going to go to Milan for 130 bucks. Yeah, but that deal only lasted I think three hours or so. You know the airline certainly didn't mean to sell it for 130 bucks, so they're you know sitting there scrambling at at airline headquarters trying to trying to to fix the problem and so trying you know booking the ticket while it's still available before they pull it it, it really is the key um uh, and now that I've rambled all that, I actually don't even remember what the original question was. <laughs> well, <laughs> that, that, that's, that's a sign of a good question when the interviewer forgets <laughs> what you asked. <laughs> uh, no, I was just sort of asking you, like, your strategy, how it's evolved. I think you really um, – I totally agree with that point about just finding what you love, spending a lot of time doing it um, rather than having a secret sauce. Um, but then I guess the other part of the question was, like, how it's evolved over time. Like, has – kayak been displaced by google flights by skyscanner and how that works yeah i think the main way that my strategy has evolved is learning what different flight search engines uh what advantages certain ones have over others and when is a good time to use certain places so you know one of the most common questions that i'll get is like which flight search engine do you like using the best you know are you a kayak guy are you a priceline guy wherever yeah um and in general, the way that I've mostly thought about it is, A, there's not that much difference between them, but um, there can be in certain specific situations. Now, what the way that I actually like to think about it is less like what, you know, let's say you have a very specific flight. You're flying from New York to Barcelona, I don't know, April like 10th through 17th. Um, if you plug that into most flight search engines, for the most part, you're going to get just about the same fare. Uh, it might vary by a couple bucks. But where they can differ a lot is in the various capabilities that certain ones have. So like Google Flights, for instance, will let you search five origin airports and five destination airports all at once. So, you know, I can search like uh, LaGuardia, JFK, Newark. You know, I can search Islip and, and uh, White Plains. Like, so you're getting the entire region all to like, you know, you can search to Barcelona, Madrid, Alicante, you know, Bilbao, Valencia. And then, so you're getting all these different places in Spain that you might want to go and you just instantly see, Oh shit. Okay. That's the cheapest one. Like if I go to, uh, 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 LaGuardia to Madrid, you know, it's a hundred bucks cheaper than flying like JFK to, to Alicante. So I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it also lets you do like, for instance, a big calendar search where it'll show you the cheapest uh, fare on, you know, for two months at a time. Mm -hmm. So that's really, really helpful for kind of doing these really shotgun blast searches. So, if, you know, you're just looking for the cheapest fare. Don't, you know, you, you don't have one specific date or, you know, one specific route. Google Flights is great for that. It doesn't always have the best price, though. Like a lot of times, you know, I'll find a really cheap date on Google Flights. Then I'll take that uh, specific flight or that specific route and I'll search it in a different place. I'll search it in Mamondo or I'll search it in Priceline. And a lot of times it'll actually be like, you know, 50, 100, 150 bucks cheaper, like more than just, you know, a couple bucks. Mm. But at those types of places, they don't let you search, you know, five airports to five airports. They don't let you search like two months at a time. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the main way that my strategy has sort of evolved is, is getting, because I'm spending six, eight, 10 hours a day on these search engines, I'm starting to learn a little bit more like how, to, how they can intersect well and how to use them to your advantage to try. And, and again, trying to do this all as quickly as possible because for the best deals, they're not going to, they're not going to last all that long. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's fantastic. And I jotted down, I have like four different follow-up questions that yeah, just, just came out of that. The first one I wanted to say was being inspired by your email list and just this community of online travelers who's people looking to see the world. I've gotten to the point where sometimes I'll just travel based on like the best flight opportunity and, oh, I see this. Like I'm actually going to Portugal next week, not because nice. I had a burning desire to go to Portugal, but because tap Portugal had like $150 one way flight. So mm -hmm. I just took it. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, yeah. And that, yeah. that's the exact same thing I did with that Milan flight I mentioned, you know, I, Milan wasn't on my radar at all. <laughs> Frankly, I didn't even live in New York at the time I was living yeah. in DC, but it's like for 130 bucks, hell yeah, I'm going to take that. You know, I just took a, <laughs> it took a bus up to New York, you know, saw some friends for the weekend and flew out on Monday over to, over to Italy. So yeah, I, mean, I that, I think that's absolutely the way to go. Yeah. So I was just going to ask you, and maybe if you've seen this with people on your email list, I, I have personal friends who have booked trips using your email list to places that they were thinking about going. And then they were like, oh, do you see that Scott Keyes email? Like, I'm going to Italy now. Um, yeah. I, I was just curious, like, what's your... Uh, Putting like your email list aside, like just Scott mm -hmm. as a person, and I know your girlfriend. Like, how do you guys? How do you travel? Like, no, yeah. with your business, like, how has your travel game changed? Yeah. Um, so, the, to address the first point, they, um, I think that's the best way to travel if you're someone like me who uh, has two attributes. First attribute, I don't have a ton of money, you know, in the travel budget, like I said, you know, just graduated college, like, like want to see the world, but don't, you know, don't have unlimited funds to do it. So you have limited bank account. But secondly, if you, there's basically, if, you know, you want to see everywhere. Like there's you, you, like, I could go to Brazil tomorrow. I could go to Japan or I could go to, you know, Russia or South Africa. Like those all sound great to me. If you're someone who has like a very specific trip in mind, you know, I want to go from New York to, uh, uh, to Nairobi and I want to go on these dates, then those types of, you know, a deal site like Scott's Cheap Flight's probably not quite as helpful. Like, yes, there's a chance that something will pop up, but I think it's really, like you said, helpful for folks who, want to see everywhere, but whose main goal is to get it on, you know, to get a cheap flight. Like that's the goal, like whether it's to Spain, whether it's to Italy, whether it's to Morocco, whether it's to South Africa, you know, then you can 
obviously decide as you see it, as you see the dates, as you see the prices, but who has a little bit of flexibility. But the ultimate goal is to get the flight as cheap as possible. Uh, uh, those are really, I think, the people who find the most success and, and are able to get those kind of jealousy-inducing fares. Uh, 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 in terms of like my fiance and I's travel, ah, it's a mix, you know, because on the one hand, um, I love a cheap flight as much as anybody, obviously. And so, like, for instance, we're actually going to uh, uh, flying, is it tomorrow? It's either tomorrow night or Thursday. It's one. Of, it's, a, it's a red eye, but we're flying out to uh, Japan, and it was uh, a hundred seventy dollar round trip per person deal. And like, to, wait, of to, course, I'm going to go to to Tokyo. Uh, so we, we it's a little bit complicated. Basically, the deal was uh, it was a hundred seventy dollars round trip uh, between Japan and the U.S., but it started in Asia. And so what we did was we had the out like, like the beginning of the trip be in October and now the return portion is tomorrow. You follow my drift? So basically oh, yeah, in October yeah. we bought a one way to, to Tokyo, from Denver to Tokyo. There was a direct flight, hung out there for you know a week or so. Then we flew back starting this hundred seventy dollar round trip. Yeah. Now we've been, you know, on a four month layover in the US. <laughs> yeah. And now tomorrow we go back for the to Japan for the return portion. Uh-huh. And then, you know, we'll, with our miles we'll get a one way back to the US uh, um, uh, in a week or so. Yeah. Um, so it's been a mix because on the one hand, you know, I, I love cheap flights. Anytime I can fi- I like find something really, really good, I'm going to take it. Uh, you know, flying out to uh, uh, Barcelona in a couple months for like 220 bucks per person. Yeah. But the flip side is we also have a ton of frequent flyer miles right. uh, uh, through, you know, credit card signup bonuses and different stuff like that. And so as much as I love cheap flights, free is always better than cheap. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I still, I still have this big stash of frequent flyer miles burning a hole in my pocket that I've got to use at some point. So, yeah. uh, yeah, it, it, it's a mix of stuff, but we definitely, you know, try to travel as much as possible. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and I know what you mean. It's also like, there's also the element of like, Oh, there's a place I really want to go. And even mm-hmm. though it might not be like the cheapest at the moment, um, it's a place worth spending a little bit more to visit. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. So I just, you mentioned Japan. I was planning on just uh, bringing that up quickly. Japan is my favorite place that I've ever been to. Awesome. And uh, I was just on your Instagram a little bit, and I saw you had a picture with uh, famous sushi chef Jiro Ono's son. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, I'd love if you just spend a minute talking about your experiences traveling in Japan, maybe for some of the listeners who have never been. Oh man. Okay. So that, uh, oh, that was the best meal I've ever had in my life. So, um, for, this is the, uh, uh, famous kind of documentary. I can't remember if it was Netflix, Netflix exclusive or not, but it was uh, a hero dreams of sushi. Mm-hmm. Just wonderful documentary, uh, especially if you're a foodie at all, or really like sushi, just really, really, you know, following this guy, master chef in, in, in sushi. Um, anyway, his son has a separate restaurant that's basically the same quality but about half the price uh still by far the most i've ever spent on a meal it was i think 
I think it was 250 bucks per person for lunch, which is like pricey. Yeah. <laughs> pricey. Especially not... when you're doing flights to Europe for a hundred bucks. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like, wow, that costs more than my flight out here. But, <laughs> um, but you know, it, it, it was a bucket list item. It was yeah. one of those things. It's like, man, I'm going to remember this meal for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it was, I mean, oh, it was amazing. Like, it, I, we didn't eat sushi for another, I, mean, we, I don't think we've had any sushi since then just to try to, you know, cause it kind of ruined it for us for <laughs> yeah. a little while, but we'll eat it again when we go back to, to Japan uh, uh, later this week. But yeah. man, Japan's just such a cool country. Like it's, it's both, it's just such an interesting mix of both familiar and completely foreign. Um, you know, in a lot of ways there are places that kind of feel like, like, downtown Manhattan, uh, Times Square area, but then, you know, everything is just quite, uh, you know, just a little bit different. Uh, uh, I mean, the food is incredible. Everybody's so friendly. Like it's beautiful. It's actually, even though it's a very populated country, it's one of the, the amount of density is so high. So once you get outside of Tokyo, it's I think it is actually one of the highest, I think Japan, uh, don't, don't call me on this, but I think Japan is, both one of one of the highest population densities and one of the most like forested countries in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like a ton of you know nature and, and environmental stuff and beauty. Uh, you know, once you get outside the city, it's just a great mix of everything. Yeah, I mean, I just I, I just have nothing but amazing things to say about Japan. It's such a cool country. One of the, one of the places I think I've been back to the most, other than than Mexico, which is probably my other favorite country. Uh, I think I've, yeah, probably three or four times in the last few years been to Japan. And every time I say, okay, you know, I gotta, gotta give it a break. Gotta stop going for a little bit. Then I just get like sucked back in by, by a cheap flight (laughs) or something. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I've actually been twice now in Japan and, uh, it's, it totally blew me away for all the reasons you said. So, uh, I totally agree. Um, I wanted to actually ask you a uh, question from one of our followers. So uh, Josh from New York asks, well, first he says, your email list has saved me and my wife so much money on flights, and we now travel oh, that's cool. so much more. So thank you. Um, but now his question to you is, once we've booked our flights, do you have any other suggestions for how to save money on the trip in other ways, hotels, activities, meals, but while saving money, but also traveling well and not sacrificing too much? Mm, that's a great question. Um, okay. A couple things that I would say, uh, one of the things that I, that I have only recently started doing, but really found useful is almost every city you go to has, uh, uh, groups or organizations or stuff that do walking tours. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of times I like doing, especially if it's a city I've never been to trying to do that on the first or second day, it's always really helpful. You know, and a lot of these are free or donation based. So, you know, it's five, 10 bucks, like it's not something extravagant, but it's a great way to not only learn, you know, the history of the city, you get really oriented really well, but you've also got this tour guide who knows a ton about the city. I'm sure, you know, everybody's got a lot of questions and somewhere that they're new to. So you have this person you can ask all these questions to, you know, curious, okay, well, you know, what's the history of this place? Uh, they'll give you recommendations, like all sorts of good stuff like that. So I, I'm, I've become a big proponent of trying to do uh, a walking tour really early uh, in your your trip to a new city. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, the main things I like to do are uh, 
well, A is if you don't have, you know, if you're not into the sort of hotel points, credit card game to get free lodging that way, I usually go with Airbnb and, or, you know, another, uh, a similar VRBO or something like that. And the main reason why is most places for the amount of money you spend to be in that location, it's going to be typically about half the cost to be in an Airbnb versus a hotel. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you want to be like, pretty, pretty much downtown, like in the center of the action and sort of stuff, you know, a typical hotel might cost you 200 bucks, but it's not uncommon at all to find Airbnbs, even for an entire, you know, apartments, you know, you're not like sharing a room or something, get an entire apartment for a hundred bucks. Um, so that's always been, you know, most of the time now when we travel, we're doing Airbnb. Uh, cause you know, I don't care that much about being in a hotel with like a swimming pool or free breakfast or stuff like that. Like, you know, I can get, an apple on the street. I most of the time I, when I'm a, I'm a big foodie. So most of the time when I'm at a place, I want to like get out and get a local breakfast anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So those are the main things. And then, um, I always like whenever possible looking at like what sorts of festivals or, or like holidays or parades or stuff are happening in a place. Uh, uh, and, and even if possible planning a, uh, uh, the dates of a trip around that. And the reason why, so for oftentimes it can be one of the most interesting and most memorable parts of a trip. So like when I was in Japan a couple of years ago, they were doing this uh, thing called a Danjiri festival, um, which think basically what it was, think running of the balls, except instead of having balls, they had these like massive, like four ton intricately uh, constructed wooden floats oh, that God. like, that they would have like 30 people riding on, like, like they'd have guys just like standing on top of these floats, like banging drums and shit. Like, like it was, it, it was remarkable. And they're like, seriously taking the, they're have like 50 people pulling these ropes of these floats that are, you know, they're taking these turns at like 25 miles per hour. It's like low-key <laughs> dangerous, but you know, it was one of these things that like was so cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's so memorable. Like you're there with the crowd, like not, Many people were there for it. And, and, you know, just to be there at the parade and stuff, it doesn't cost any money to be there. Like, you're just watching it. You're enjoying it. And, and like I said, it's one of the coolest uh, uh, parts of the trip. So and it, I always like to keep my eyes peeled on those sorts of uh, local festivals because not only are they free, but I think they can be especially memorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic advice, and I totally know what you mean about those walking tours. I remember I studied abroad during college in Barcelona, and we would do like the Ryanair circuit where we would hop to a different city in Europe on the weekends. And there was this one company that's still around, I think, called New Sandman Tours, and they yeah they were like advertised in hostels where we were staying at the time, and. Uh, they had like a free walking tour and then uh, they had like uh, pub crawls at night and it was a great way to meet mm. locals and uh, cool. Yeah. yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. The, the, that, that reminds me the other one resource that I would mention, and, and this is mostly for Europe um, trips, but uh, there's a website, Rome to Rio.com that and two is the number two. So Rome number two, Rio.com. Oh, I love that. Uh, site. I, I use yeah, that every site. day. It, it, like it, it's less think like kayak or orbits or whatever, but more for like pl- like trains and buses. Yeah. Uh, so you know, the, oftentimes there's not like a a central resource to find. You know, okay, let's say I want to take a train between Amsterdam and Brussels. Like, I, 
where do I even start to find that? Rome to Rio is the place to go to find those, uh, you know, like times, fairs, you know, they have links to the different websites, stuff like that. Um, yeah, that, that's a really good one. It, it worked. It works especially well in Europe. I'm less familiar with it in other parts of the world, but uh, uh, Europe, it works really, really well. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate you calling that out to our listeners because I uh, so one of my missions now is to hit all 50 states. And, oh, cool. Yeah, and as I'm going, I'm trying to like figure out the cool things. I'm sort of planning it around, like you said, like the way you plan around festivals. Like I'm planning mm. the state around cool things to do. And, yeah. Uh, and I don't know if you've ever seen these like viral BuzzFeed lists that have like the 10 craziest Airbnbs in the world, you know? <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Sure. And there's, there's one in Cottonwood, Idaho that is like a, it's a dog house. So it's like an, it's a B and B, like a bed and breakfast, but uh-huh. the, the house is shaped and painted. It's a dog and it's like all these dog pictures inside and wow. uh, it just looks so cool. And, um, I'm, pl- I'm going to be in San Francisco in June, most likely. So I was on, I was trying to figure out like, how the heck do I get to Cottonwood, Idaho? <laughs> so first, yeah. yeah. So, and Rome to Rio was like showing me all the buses. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So you can, use I, didn't, it. I, I don't think I even knew that it worked well in the U S that's good to know. Yeah. I, I can't like testament to like how good it is in the U S but, uh-huh. um, it, it was, at the very least it showed me like how many hours the bus would take and, uh, yeah, the best. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's, so that's awesome. So one question I wanted to ask, so adventure days, I talk a lot about travel and very synced up with what you're doing, but the other big element that I talk a lot about is, uh, self-improvement, personal growth. And within Mm. that, I talk a lot about, I try to encourage a lot of followers to find jobs or businesses that you're passionate about. And I would love if you could just talk for a minute about how you sort of ditched the standard like nine to five and found something that not only you're way more passionate about, but now is going to be making you much more money than you ever would have in that boring world. Yeah. So I, uh, my story is very like uh, uh, topsy turvy and very serendipitous. Um, So like I mentioned, I was working as uh, a journalist in DC for years and uh, I liked it well, but I've I've always had in the back of my head that I didn't want to be in DC doing this for forever. And just from talking with folks, especially older folks there sort of realized that it's a place. And I'm sure this is true with a lot of places uh, in the country. You have to be really intentional to extricate yourself from that situation if you want to change things, because, you know, it's very rare that like just some big, beautiful opportunity is going to present itself to you that you just like, oh, wow, okay, I can't, you know, I can't miss this, like, you know, transfer to San Francisco or something like that. Like most of the time you have to not only make it happen for yourself, but that you have to take a risk doing it. And so for me, the sort of dream that I had, not, you know, not only to, to not spend the rest of my life in DC, but uh, I really wanted to live in Mexico. Mm. Um, it's just, you know, I wanted to work on my Spanish. I wanted to volunteer. I wanted to travel. I want, but I wanted to, especially like just Mexico always had like a special place in my heart. And so about two or three years ago, I just sort of, I mean, it was something that I've been planning for, for a while, you know, I'd been working side jobs to make some extra income because I figured while I was down in Mexico, I wasn't going to be making much money. Um, but I, you know, eventually just planned for it and made it happen and put in my, my, my walking papers and then, you know, moved down to Mexico eventually. Um, it, 
was the type of thing that that sort of got the ball rolling on uh, uh, where I am now because doing that, then I started doing uh, uh, free uh, freelance journalism because you know I didn't have a nine to five. I wasn't working full time anymore, but you know I still wanted a little bit of uh, stuff to structure my days and you know a little bit of side income, especially in Mexico where the dollar you know went way further than uh, uh, (laughs) down there. So you know I'd write you know, one or two articles a week and, and it would more than pay for, for, you know, my, my life down there. But so anyway, I was doing that hustle for a little while, just doing, uh, uh, eventually moved back to the U S came out to Colorado with, uh, my now fiance and, uh, eventually the, uh, uh, it was very serendipitous actually. So we took a round the world trip together, um, and I posted about it on Facebook, you know, saying like, okay, my fiance and I or, or my girlfriend then uh, are about to travel to, you know, 12 different countries for next two months, 20,000 miles. And it was all, it's all for free, uh, you know, which it was using frequent flyer miles. Um, and lo and behold, just got really lucky. Uh, some, a friend of mine sent it to another friend who worked at, uh, at Business Insider. She's like, oh, wow, that sounds like a cool article. Uh, can I interview you for it? Like, yeah, sure. You know, so I sat down for an interview. They posted this article, and it had one of these, you know, sort of clickbaity headlines, like, <laughs> "Man, you know, f- travels the world for free." Yeah. Yeah. And and so overnight, all of a sudden, this little email list that I had just for my friends, you know, to send them deals for every once in a while, I found just as a hobby, it went from 250, 300 people to like 5,000 overnight. Like, wow. like literally overnight. Huh. And so all of a sudden I was like, okay, this is both a, a, uh, uh, uh an obstacle and an opportunity because right. on the one hand I had to now, you know, my little free list, I had to pay uh, server costs for, you know, hosting costs. Mm. It's like, mm, you got to figure out how to, you know, recoup the $50 a month or whatever that I had to pay for this. But on the other hand, all of a sudden I had this email list with 5,000 people who were really interested and figure out, okay, you know, can I figure out a way to monetize this? Um, Ended up creating this freemium model, which I think, you know, I gave it some thought. I I, I had a couple other ideas of models in my mind, but uh, ended up deciding on the freemium model. And I think it's really lucky I did because it's worked out way better than I ever expected. Yeah. But uh, so now, so now, you know, basically what it is is that there's the, the free list. Everybody signs up, you know, you, you're on the free list. You don't pay anything. If you want to, you know, if you want to get more deals, uh, um, you can sign up for the premium list. And so, you know, it's a few bucks a month basically. And, uh, uh, the, the way it works, I send all the deals out to the premium list, just one third go to the free list. Mm-hmm. The premium members get it like 30 minutes before. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a couple other perks. Premium members get to choose like specific cities. So it's like, okay, I only want alerts for, you know, DC, New York, and Boston, or only, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then, um, whereas for free members, you get it for an entire region. So you say, okay, I want, I get them for the Northeast region, or I get it for the Midwest, or whatever it is. Right. Um, couple other yeah you know just little perks like that but uh i don't i don't you know i don't pressure people like to sign like oh you got to upgrade you know you got to like like it's nice having this free list because it's it's a built-in uh uh not only do i like helping people you know and the vast majority of folks are on the free list but it's also a built-in audience to that i can hopefully try to convince over time you know like hey you know just fyi there was this deal that went to the 
uh, to the premium list, you know, 250 bucks round trip to, to London or something like that. Like, um, yeah. no, as you, so uh, sort of, yeah, go ahead. I, no, I was just gonna say, as you continue to build a community, I think your freemium model is perfect because you're giving a ton of free value to these people and you're brand building with them and you're showing who you really are. And then, um, you know, I, again, I was with another random friend in New York City telling him I'm about to talk to you. And he's like, no way. I bought his uh, Black Friday sale. And oh, uh, that's awesome. You know, yeah, it's definitely still a learning process for me. Like, I don't have a business background. I didn't I <laughs> never like plan to be doing any sort of startup or anything. I just kind of fell ass backwards into this. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, I like it and it's a lot of fun. And and I just got really lucky that it uh, that it's worked out. I kind of had to. like do it seeing see it through do it justice you know yeah absolutely and i mean the other compelling and great thing about your model and you know for anyone who's like hesitant to go for premium that i would like say it's definitely worth it is if you're sending out all these flights you know once a week a couple times a day like i know you send a lot of great deals out if you save one person what if it's like you're charging like 30 bucks a year and you save a person like 500 dollars on a flight you know, you can clearly point this is going to pay off. It's not like some Netflix thing that you're never going to watch, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I calculated out the average savings are about 607 bucks. Just looking at what the, you know, from what like previous subscriber, like what people who tell us they book something compared to what they, uh, the normal price for that is. Yeah. So it takes, I think close to 10 years of premium subscription, actually probably even well more than that 15 years or something like that, that it would take for you to pay off, you know, your, like if you just get one flight in the next 15 years, then you'll <laughs> have already come out ahead. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, that's absolutely the case. And, and, and um, yeah. Cool. So uh, I just wanted to ask you about Mexico quickly because yeah. you mentioned uh, living there, and you know I've I've only done like the Americanized Mexico experience where you like <laughs> they take you directly to a resort and like you don't even know you feel like you're just in Florida and, and sure sure you know and it, it can be nice but like I really would love to do like a deep dive into Mexico and like really see the country. Um, yeah. So I'd love to just hear like your your two minute spiel on Mexico and mm. for maybe for people who have who've either never been or have never like mm-hmm. really truly experienced it. Like where would you even start? Oh man. Okay. <laughs> um, I I have not been to uh, to Cancun. I've not been to Cabo, so I can't like speak too much to those places. But you know, I, I've been to resorty areas, and you're right. You know that if for a lot of people, uh, vacation and travel is for relaxation. You know, they want to go somewhere like they just want to unwind. They want to sit on the beach. They want to have cocktails brought to them. They want to go in the ocean, you know, whatever. And that's, that's totally fine. That, um, for a lot of other people, I think they're, Travel is a means of adventure. So, you know, you're checking out somewhere new, you're going, trying new foods, you're meeting new people, you're, you know, in these foreign places, just figuring it out. And that's the way a lot of people get their fun. And, um, in a lot of ways that because I'm more the latter type of traveler, that's why Mexico appeals to me so much because it is like much in the way, you know, someone comes to the U S and you know, if that person goes to New York, they're going to have a much different experience than if they go to New Orleans, than if they go to Chicago and if they go to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And I mean, 
every country in the world is that way uh, to to a certain extent. But Mexico is like incredible in its diversity. You know, a place like uh, Mexico City is way different than a place like uh, Oaxaca, which is where I lived. much more indigenous, uh, uh, poorer area down south, but that has like incredible food, incredible like like textiles industry, um, and you know even that's a lot different than you go up north to a place like Monterrey or uh, um, uh, Zacatecas or, or Guadalajara. Like every place has its own different feel to it, much different food. You know, we think of Mexican food, and yeah, like there's some similarities, but there's huge regional differences, um, between the food. There's huge regional differences in terms of like the, the environment, you know, I mean, you go down South, like there, there's incredible ruins there. The, like I went through, um, this Canyon that, I mean, think like, think basically taking a boat tour through the bottom of the Grand Canyon, except instead of it being Brown, it's, it's green, um, that was like this place, this place down in Southern Mexico, you're just, you know, there are alligators, uh, you're just like taking this boat tour through these, you know, thousand, 3000 foot high cliffs. Like, you know, it's crazy. Um, you know, and then you go up North and it's more like deserty. There's like really cool beaches. Like, like there's so much richness and vibrancy in the, in like Mexico that varies so much place to place. Um, and it, it, it's weird because, you know, on the one hand, um, I haven't been to, you know, your Cancuns, your Cabos, so I can't speak to them directly. It is, there's a certain, like, appreciation I have for the fact that uh, most American travelers go to those places because it, um, I mean, authenticity is a is a super complicated subject and that you know we'll leave that for another time (laughs) but um one of the nice things about you know a place like mexico city a place like uh uh oaxaca is you know you're not in florida you know you know you're you're like it's 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 very different and and in a a really good way in my opinion like it's really interesting and, and 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 to see these places but it's not um it's not, you know, America Junior. It's yeah. very, very different. And, and in my, in my opinion, really, really interesting, really cool, really delicious. I mean, yeah. If the place, oh gosh, um, I'm trying to think. The place where I would recommend folks start out. Um, I mean, Mexico City is an incredible city, but you know, it's it's basically the it's bigger than much bigger than New York city, the biggest city in the Western hemisphere. Um, wow. incredibly vibrant, you know, and it has everything from poor areas to really, really ritzy built up areas, you know, really sort of Western stuff to more like just incredibly delicious street tacos. Mm. I think I, if you're, if you're into cities at all, Mexico city is a must. Like there's so many, I mean, there's so many cool art museums. You go to Lucha Libre, you go to soccer games, you eat so much good food. You go to the markets. They're like ruins, you know, even in the city. And then, you know, an hour outside Mexico city, I think is the place to start. Um, Oh man. Yeah. (laughs) I I think that's a good, that's a good intro. And then, and then it's just going to feel very different, but yeah, no, it's, it's funny you say that because, uh, one of our contributors just did a whole, uh, the must eat places in Mexico city. Mm. And and there was this famous churros place with like three different dipping Mm. sauces. Mm. And I was just like, yeah, 
Um, oh, good. Yeah, no, I mean, it was it was the New York Times number one place to go in 2016. So it's wow. not like it's not like completely under the radar, but um, it's you know it's a city of 20 million people. So it's not going to be like like Cancun where you look around and all you see is white faces. Like maybe maybe in a couple parts of the country, but like yeah. or a couple parts of the city. But in general, it's very. Uh, uh, you're going to feel like a little fish in a, in a big ocean and it's going to, it, it's going to be really good. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it sounds wild and it's high on my list. Um, yeah. just before we wrap up, uh, what's the one place that is really high on your list that you just haven't pulled the trigger on or you haven't found the right, uh, airfare or maybe the airfare, you're just going to have to bite the bullet on it. Mm, that is a good question. Um, Ooh, okay. You can say it's a few. The reason why it's, the reason why it's tough is because, like, you know, some of those things where, like, I want to go everywhere. Yeah. But uh, okay, let, let me give you a couple. Let me cheat here and yeah. and, and, and <laughs> expand from just one. Sure. Um, uh, India and China. I, I've been to Taiwan. I've been to Hong Kong. Uh, I haven't been to mainland China. Um, India and China, and especially Western China, are places that I really want to go. But I really want to go with yeah. people who speak the language or especially know um, you know local areas because it, it's one of those places that I think the richness of the experience that I get would be really dependent on uh, – how like I don't want it to be restricted to just my my limited you know my limited English language skills basically um and you know certain countries have more tourist infrastructure certain countries have English much more widely spoken um I would ideally like to get out of the uh, you know the way I like to travel ideally like to get out of the tourist zones for the most part and so for places like India and China I'd really want to go but I want to do them right you know, if I, if I go and, um, so those places are really high up there. Uh, there's an island, a, a Yemenese island called Socotra. Um, it's, it's super random. Um, it is like just in the, the Indian ocean. It looks, it, it's something like, I think, 25 or 30 percent of the species in Socotra are endemic. So you don't see them anywhere in the world it has these like completely alien looking trees, you know, something like, like kind of Madagascar esque. It looks just completely wild, you know, just such like a, a out of this world type of landscape that, um, yeah. I would really, really like, really like to visit it someday. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then, mm, yeah, I'll stick with those three for now. <laughs> That's, those are plenty, and I, it's funny. I've never heard of Socotra. I will, I'm going to be googling that right I'm after this. I'm pronouncing it correctly. <laughs> like it's it's a it's a very uh, uh, not you know very kind of hidden type of place, but but yeah. it just looks uh, amazing. I mean, just searching through Google images of Socotra, like just looks out of this world. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm going to check that out. And I totally know what you mean about China and India. I was so fortunate back in 2011 to be invited to my friend's wedding in Visakhapatnam, India. And uh, I just 
wound up in a group of six guys five of them grew up there you have a white jew from long island and uh, <laughs> and we're like on trains like blazing through india like they're driving they all speak telugu which is the local language of andhra pradesh and uh wow i i, I want to recreate that in western mainland china where i'm just yeah. like you know you're in a car like stick shift it's like all chinese they're like that's a pond we're gonna <laughs> go fish there and like you know yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I was, I was lucky enough to be invited to a wedding in a, a random part of Borneo uh, last year, and it was totally one of those things that you like. Just I would never had this opportunity if I hadn't just lucked, it, you know, lucked out into it. And yeah, yeah one of those things that if I didn't, uh, uh, weren't doing it with people, you know, spoke Indonesian, or I think there was even another local language that um, much smaller that I don't. Uh, uh, know or, or frankly embarrassingly even remember the name of yeah. but yeah it's one of those things that that i'm really lucky just for that opportunity because it didn't happen very often yeah no those are those are the best well uh thank you so much for uh joining us on the podcast uh where can we find you like what's your website social how can people check out and learn more yeah so um the best way is just scottscheapflights.com. No spaces, no apostrophes, nothing like that. Just scottscheapflights.com. Uh, and then, you know, we're on, if you just search that on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, got them on there. Or we got links uh, on the website. It's probably the easiest way. Awesome. Well, Scott, thanks again so much for taking the time, and we really appreciate it.